Welcome all you Plus Two Comedy Modifiers to another episode of the Plus Two Comedy Podcast. I'm your host as always, TV's Noel Houlihan, and before we get to this very special episode of the Plus Two Comedy Podcast, I need to explain this very special episode of the Plus Two Comedy Podcast. This is the last special Plus Two Comedy Podcast before regular shows finally return. So to celebrate that, this is the Slash Fiction World Championship. This is the original one that was available on this very website for plus two dollars. And to celebrate, I thought I'd give it to you guys absolutely free. So please enjoy this. This was recorded way back in the Jester's Playhouse days and features some of our favorite people like Shelly Snyder, Ramon Bender, Drew Castellano, Vegas Lancaster. Me and Will are there. Oh my God, me and Will? Uh, Short Stack, Neil Wood, so many people. So please enjoy, but do understand that it is not safe for work. You have been warned. Also, I have to tell you about some upcoming shows. Tomorrow, holy crap, it's already here. That is January 27th. It's Comedy with a Curveball at the Tap Room Bar and Grill, presented by High Note Humor. Yes, 13, unlucky 13 comedians compete while having to deal with the comedy curveball. Basically, they will have to try to do their set while I do something devious to them. Please come out. I will be there. Will will be competing. It is at the Tap Room and Grill. That's 427 West Crystal Lake Avenue in Haddonfield, New Jersey. Tickets are just $5. It's going to be a fantastic show. So if you can be there tomorrow, be there tomorrow. I'm also happy to announce that starting February 2nd, we will be at the Gamers Vault every Thursday at 8 p.m., for the Plus Two Comedy Podcast. So please join us at Gamers Vault, that's 175 Route 70 in Medford, New Jersey. We will be there at 8 p.m. It is always absolutely free, so come hang out with Plus Two Comedy, possibly win some cool prizes, and hang out with some really cool guests at Gamers Vault every Thursday, starting in February. We will also be appearing at the Uwe Minicon at the Uwe Art and Gaming Cafe in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania on Saturday, February 4th. The comm starts at 11 a.m. We will be doing stand-up comedy and game the gamers. Please join us at the Uwe Minicon at the Uwe Art and Gaming Cafe. I'm also happy to announce that for the first time ever there will be an independently run cosplay pro wrestling show so join us for age of cosplay at old time wrestling that's 1041 glassboro road in williamstown new jersey and come see all of your favorite cosplay pro wrestlers like me others i'm sure but me and me so come see me at cosplay pro wrestling's age of cosplay this will all benefit Autism New Jersey. So please come out to Old Time Wrestling on April 1st at 7 p.m. It's April Fool's Day, but it's a real show. So come check out some cosplay pro wrestling. Also, this episode of the Plus Two Comedy Podcast is brought to you by YourHouseLooksLikeShit.com. I told you this was not safe for work. YourHouseLooksLikeShit.com empowers users to anonymously let their sloppy neighbors know exactly how their clear lack of dedication to upkeep is affecting their neighbors in a direct and 
not-so-respectful manner. Users simply enter a neighbor's address, purchase a package, and they handle the rest. Your neighbor will surely receive an eye-catching, beautifully crafted postcard with a special note nudging them to get their act together. Again, visit yourhouselookslikeshit.com today and put those sloppy neighbors on notice. And now, without any further ado, take it away! Kirby Crackle. We're on the road, we're going home To the place where wild nerds roam With pretty girls and dudes and kids Going to cons is our escape It's like Manga Fuckies and a star-filled sky Where you can meet all your heroes and none of them fly We're on the road, we're going home Who's ready for a comedy show? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Slash Fiction World Championships. We scoured the globe for the greatest Slash Fiction writers. And as it turned out, they all lived in the Philly, New Jersey area. It worked out amazingly. You're going to see two rounds of Slash Fiction. If you don't know what Slash Fiction is, Slash Fiction is when you take... A, uh, a popular fandom of some sort, and then write homosexual uh, pornography about it. <laughs> now, we're going to be a little bit more liberal with uh, the definition of slash fiction, so you might get some heterosexual sex in there. <laughs> I lost them. I already lost them. It's a shame. But uh, we're going to have a good time here tonight. Now, there's going to be two rounds. The first round is the amateur round. This is when people wrote things ahead of time about anything that they want. And then there's the professional round. The professional round will have to write something based off the topics you suggested earlier. They will have the entire length of the amateur round to write for the professional round. The way it will work is each one will come up here. I will give them two suggestions, and they can choose either one, or they can throw them both out, and they'll be stuck with whatever the third option is. You guys ready to get this show started? All right, well, let it start with uh, giving some topics out to the professional round. Uh, Coming out first, he was a substitute host of the Plus Two Comedy Podcast not too long ago. Give it up for Ramon Bender. Ooh, this mic is super hot. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, this is two or three. Two or three. Is bit, look, at the, look at the lines. Don't look at me. Look at the lines on the computer. All right. This is, how you doing, Ramon? Oh, I'm good. No, I'm good. I'm glad you're good. Okay. I've shuffled these up. You ready? I'm excited. You have two choices, or you can go with the mystery third choice. Your first choice is Resident Evil. Or Twilight. Can I can I ask the audience? I I mean, if you want, you can ask the audience. Resident Evil or Twilight? Twilight. You know yeah, I'm gonna have to go Twilight. Twilight. Ramon Bender will be re- about Twilight. Yeah, you can have your Twilight card. All right, next. He was recently an audience member of the Plus Two Comedy Podcast. Get up for Drew Castellano! All 
All right, Drew. Uh, you, for, your first choice is what Ramon would have gotten if you went with the mystery choice, which is Ronin. Okay. I, I, maybe 47 of them or so? I have no idea. Uh, your yeah, other choice is The Great Mighty Pooh. <laughs> I believe that is from Conker's Bad Fur Day. I don't know what either of those things are. So what, what, what's the, what's the uh, process with the mystery choice? Uh, I will just look at whatever's next, and whatever's next you're stuck with. I'm stuck with. Yes. Ronin, the great mighty poo, or the mystery choice. I'm going to go mystery choice. Mystery choice. <laughs> Drew will be writing slash fiction about Dead Space 3. Dead Space 3. Oh, man, the thing I know the most about. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, he is a member of Plus Two Comedy. Give it up for Vegas Lancaster. Yeah, we got a good show. We have a good show coming in here. Good promoting. All right, you're, thank you. We, we work as a good team. Uh, your two choices are uh, uh, DMX Rough Riders versus the Spice Girls. I think you can stop right there. <laughs> Go on, go on. Your other choice is uh, Final Confrontation. I don't know what that is. I don't know, I don't know if they meant Final Destination. No, but... no, no. I'm going to write about the Final Confrontation <laughs> between DMX and the Spice Girls. Here is your card. Take, take your card. Take your card. Uh, all right. Uh, she is a former guest of the Plus Two Comedy Podcast, and she was also part of the Character Select Showcase. Please give it up for Short Stack. What's up? All right. Uh, you have the choice. Uh, this would have been uh, Vegas' mystery choice. Homestuck. Oh, I don't know what that is. Or yeah. Pac-Man. Pac-Man. That's not even, that is not even a question. Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Okay, Pac-Man. Here you go. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Finally, uh, she's a newcomer to uh, Plus Two Comedy and its things. Ladies and gentlemen, get up for Shelly Snyder. I'll be drinking heavily during this. Yeah, the former queen of campus comedy. Uh, you, you, I lost by a quarter of a point. You, you have uh, a doozy here. Uh, your choices are Jester's Playhouse, <laughs> the place we are currently located, or Jurassic Park. Yes, sir. I shall be writing about Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park for you. Here, take your take the card. Take your card. All right, let me put this microphone back. Okay, so we have Jurassic Park. We have Pac Man. We have Dead Space Three. We have DMX versus the Spice Girls. Uh, and uh, what was the, what was the last one that we had? Twilight. What did I miss? Twilight. Ramon will be doing Twilight. But while they're writing, we have the amateur round. This is going to be people writing something that they wrote ahead of time before the show, and it'll be based off of your applause after everyone has read. Who will become the amateur world champion slash fiction writer? I got confused by my own words there. <laughs> Your first contestant is a newbie to the world of Plus Two Comedy, but he's a fantastic comedian. You can see him at the tap room all the time. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Neil Wood. 
Hey, everybody. Um, so my name is Neil Wood, and this is Turtle Power. <laughs> Splinter's untold story. 1988, and the streets of New York are gleaming with wet reflections. Jagged metal structures hanging, hang dripping over its patrons. Be quiet. <laughs> Billy and Jonas are walking back from the latest hero movie disappointment. Billy's voice. Boy, they really don't care about their fans. Billy slinks his hands into his pocket. Jonas. Oh, they didn't do that bad. I, at least it wasn't another Green Lantern. <laughs> the darkness of the theater's back alley becomes all more apparent when the two young boys see three burly men wielding pipes at the end of the alley, backlit by the street traffic behind them. Behind the boys, a dead end. The boys are cornered. Suddenly overhead, two large shadows whoosh across the alley rooftops. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm on Adderall. Um, <laughs> then dropping down between them, frightening the boys and the assailants, even in the dark alley, the boys and the thugs can make out four buff, green, man-sized ninja turtles. <laughs> two, of the ninja turtles two of the ninja turtles are standing upright, while the other two ninja turtles are being held upside down, allowing them to ac access a two-cartwheel 69 as they jump from rooftop to rooftop. Oh no, it's the Ninja Turtles, one of the thugs exclaims, popping their turtle dicks from each other's mouths all at the same time. A beating ensues on those thugs, quickly ending with the thugs motionless on the alley floor. Wow, thanks, ninjas, the boys hail. The ninja's wife, sorry, the ninja's wife, single bead of sweat from each other's brows. Every other turtle making haste. Cartwheels into positions, assuming the bodacious suckathon with, <laughs> with one without skipping a vanilla ice beat. <laughs> Billy, Billy and Jonas are looking around, feeling awkward. Well, uh, Jonas ex exhales. You guys have a lot in your plates, so we'll, uh, you know, just let, we'll, we'll be going. That's when Michelangelo peeks his head behind, between Raphael's legs, mouth still coated in a combination of saliva and foam, and sweat from, from, I'm trying, come on guys, stay with me, just listen, there's no hand raising. Uh, from Raphael's monstrous dick and testicles that are now hanging through the trap door in the front of his shell. Michelangelo gasps for breath and says, like, whoa. <laughs> whoa, little bros. You guys aren't getting out that easy. You're going to get off the hard way. Come over here and take some of this green turtle sword. Then all four turtles proceed to gangbang those two boys, spilling weapons and radioactive tadpoles all over their faces and assholes. 
The self-made extravagant turtle ducking between the six of the group raged. Without their knowledge from without their knowledge from the gutter in the alley, Splinter had been watching the whole thing, gently massaging the hairy chub that he had been nursing during the whole ordeal. His members swollen with no relief. He reminisces walking through the sewers about the turtles, about the young turtles coming of age, teaching them all the ways of nujitsu from his uh, master Yoshi. Now the boys have not been noticing. The boys have not been noticing him around the gutter lately. Master Splinter now wanted to teach them the martial art of fucking. <laughs> Slumping down in his lazy boy, back in the abandoned subway train car. Splinter begins to fantasize about the tight teenage mutant ninja, <laughs> the tight teenage mutant ninja turtle dark stars. Thoughts of sensual, sensual shell stroking from the center of the green turtle pile course through Splinter's brains. Brain. <laughs> Splinter begins to shake. Splinter begins to shake weight. Uh, his, sorry, guys. It's not in English now. Uh, sp- oh, Splinter begins to shake his furry stalk of a penis, taking an extra pair of nunchucks from Michelangelo's cubby box. He perches his legs up, still stroking faster and faster. He licks one under the, uh, under the nunchuck and slowly at first starts to insert the end into his trembling, hairy, matted rectum. Faster and faster, harder and harder, till all he could, all he could hear was the chain clanging against his rat taint. <laughs> Suddenly, blasting a stream of cum, smelling of garbage all over his already stained muumu bedtime skirt. He dozes off that night, dreaming of turtle power. Thank you. Neil Wood, everyone. Neil Wood. This microphone got sad. Here we go. Oh, right. We are off to a great start already. So let's get a little bit darker. Why not? Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for your next contestant, Shannon Dapper. Oh, so uh, who here is familiar with the writing of H.P. Lovecraft? <laughs> uh, that is an encouraging ground. Uh, I'll try my best. Um, this is uh, one of the lost works. <laughs> uh, reader, I write this account in the last evanescence of my sanity before my wits flee me. As if in an antithetical impulse to the secret desire to leap from the edge of a tall cliff, I have the desire to present the facts of my decline with a semblance of coherence now, holding this pen as I shiver at my writing desk. I have dabbled in magics and forbidden knowledge beyond the ken of infinitesimal, infinitesimal mewling mankind and thought myself wiser than all who had fallen to such vices before me. But though I was clever... Though I held the dark whims of the universe in my palm, I was not, could not have ever been, prepared for the book. Oh, the book. It tasks me. 
Shall I recount that which I found among its pages? I cannot, for its secrets are unknowable, unspeakable, and unfathomable to, hu- to mortal brains, mouths, and perception, respectively. Thus it was that I, attempting to know them, speak them aloud, plumb their deaths, tore the fabric of space and time asunder. In the diminishing twilight dusk of an evening, as the gibbous moon pushed her waxing face through the veils of misty clouds, I lit the candles. I chalked the arcane symbols of my undoing. And I was snatched from this world to the outer dimensions, where the creatures who ruled creation before the chance of our world rose from the firmament and will rule it again once they devour this planet like a ripened grape. <laughs> At first, it was all darkness and screaming. <laughs> the blackness itself winding around my limbs, holding me prone. As my... T- Eyes adjusted to the darkness, to my horror. I recognized the visage of a being described and crudely drawn within the book. A mountain-sized monstrous god thing with leathery wings and winding tentacles and more razor-sharp claws than can be conceived of. It was taller in person than I expected. (laughs) As I struggled against its implacable grasp, I knew that I could not escape that I would submit to its will whatever a noble purpose it desired. A razor claw sliced away my shirt. <laughs> uh, what are you? I spoke tremulously as a second sli- sli- as a second claw scythed. Why did I write scythe? Slide through my belt. The tentacles drew away the mi- remainder of my clothing. Hey, wait a second. Is this is this happening? And the abomination spake, it's how, the howling sim- syllables of the sounds of madness itself. And yet they seemed to revolve and form into words that, though I comprehended their order, I could not entirely conceive of their meaning. <laughs> look, man, you're a paper-thin author surrogate of a guy who thought about monsters who look like a bunch of dicks and vaginas with wings and eyes basically all the time. There's pretty much no way this wouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> And then a thousand dripping tentacles explore my erogenous zones. <laughs> Can I blame it on insanity? Surely my mind left me as my every orifice was invaded. <laughs> but perhaps the perversion in me that had led me to read a hundred moldering tomes of before dark magics, rather than... What did I, rather than seeding it in its influence for... What? Sorry. I wrote wrote some of this while I was on sleeping pills. (laughs) But perhaps the perversion in me that had led me to read a hundred moldering tomes and perform dark magics had been within me all along rather than seated by the influence of such works. For reader, I gloried in it. (laughs) I Climax three or four times before me. the being released me and wandered off. <laughs> I lay panting on the shadowy firmament of the dark dimension, gasping the murky air. But my hunger was only just wetted. <laughs> I sucked and fucked my way across the outer dimensions. <laughs> I sighted three or four children with a shoved nigger at the black goat of the woods with a thousand young. The hounds of Tindalos came through the angles of time. And then they came through the angles of time, which sequels six 
69 degrees at that particular moment in space time, if my meaning is understood. <laughs> Several Shoggoth watched when sexually gratified themselves nearby. <laughs> there was not a tunic on the outer dimension that did not find a home inside my body. <laughs> Then, broken in mind and spirit, drained of fluids, oblivion overtook me. I awoke on the floor of my study, my cheek pressed against the rough wood floor, the candles melted and extinguished. I may have thought it a dream, save for the bruises still livid on my skin and the bitter tang of starseed on my tongue. (laughs) Remembering it now, I shudder with shame and a measure of arousal. (laughs) But this tale ends not here, a madman scribbling of the darkest deeds. For I hear them scrabbling at the window cracks of this reality, and I know they come for me again. This door I have opened shall never again close entirely, and I fear I have brought doom to the fallow dying world upon which I was born. Louder now, and I, I... And then there's just like a squiggle and some weird stains on the manuscript. (laughs) (laughs) The end! Shannon Dapper. Oh, that was crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, your next contestant is a member of Plus Two Comedy. Please give it up for Will Liam. I had assumed we'd have like a table to sit behind, so I'm concerned I might accidentally arouse myself. So. If- if no one could make eye contact with me, we'll keep this from getting weird. Boba Fett awoke at noon. I wanted to work outside my comfort zone. As he often did, his freelance bounty hunting job allowed him to work his own schedule. So there's nothing wrong with sleeping until noon. It didn't make him lazy or unproductive, as many people, including his mom, incorrectly thought. (laughs) As always, he started his day by logging into several Star Wars forums and following up on the arguments he had started at 4 a.m. that morning. (laughs) You see, many people have the extremely incorrect notion that Boba Fett died by falling into a spike-filled vagina in a biographical film about the lives of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo called Return of the Jedi. (laughs) When even the most simple search on the Bothan spy net would take you to the Wikipedia page informing you that it is canon that Boba Fett is not dead. (laughs) He had escaped the Sarlacc vagina by detonating the missile on his backpack and climbing out. Not that Boba Fett gets upset over it. He just feels the need to, you know, inform people before they embarrass themselves. (laughs) He didn't have a long time on the forums today, though, because he had a date tonight with a woman (laughs) that he met at one of David Bowie's space parties. Her name was Emma Frost, and she was some kind of X-Man, which Bowie assured him meant she was a member of a superhero team and not a post-op transvestite. <laughs> like that name and outfit would lead you to believe. <laughs> Bubba heard a knock at the door and checked his watch. She's early, he thought. He opened the futuristic sliding door to his apartment, and there was Emma in her patented thigh-high, white stiletto boots, white panties, and a white corset. She had a look on her face like this outfit was supposed to be sending him some kind of message. But Boba was a little confused because her fucking X-Men battle uniform was the same outfit 
It's from the Victoria's Secret catalog, so why wouldn't she think this was appropriate evening wear? <laughs> Any confusion yeah, had was quickly, quickly cleared up when she shoved him against the wall and reached into his pants, his armor, armored space pants, and gripped his Mandalorian battle boner. I thought we could skip dinner. I'm hungry for something else, she said, speaking like someone who's not very good at writing dialogue for women. <laughs> she <laughs> Just being honest. I don't want she gripped his cock and grinned. I see I'm not the only one who has the ability to harden like a diamond, but I don't need to read your mind to know what you want. And Boba blinked behind his head. He's like, wait, you get fucking two completely unrelated X-Gene powers? Why does that... Does anybody else get that? She ignored the question like Mark Hamill ignoring fans at Comic-Con. <laughs> grabbed his hand, leading him down the halls towards the bedroom. I don't know why she knows where that is. I now realize that's an error. <laughs> Past a row of pictures of Boba from prom, dressed in a tuxedo and his helmet. <laughs> Each date hotter than the last, because when Boba Fett asks a girl to prom, she says yes, so he doesn't have to spend the prom night playing StarCraft at Nick Stickle's house till four in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Emma undressed and laid down on the bed, and Boba stripped down except for the helmet, keeping his anonymity, it's a tough word, because no one knew what Boba Fett looked like. Nobody. He's not a kid or some kind of brown Australian dude. That's bullshit, and you all know it. <laughs> you guys, <laughs> I am the Oscar Wilde of describing sex, so. <laughs> he climbed between Emma's legs, and he pressed his helmeted head <laughs> up against her throbbing clitoris, licking vigorously against the glass plate. <laughs> Quickly realizing this wasn't quite as enjoyable as he thought it might have been, he takes his space cock in hand and slips it into her soft mutant vagina. After only a few thrusts, she was already on edge. Unable to take any more, she orgasms. Like I said, I'm really good at this. Inadvertently entering her diamond form, clenching around Boba's penis. Causing him to throw back his head in pain, his helmet flying off and revealing a ruggedly handsome man with curly auburn hair and a red chin strap beard... Because he thought it looked good not to cover his chin fat. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Just then, Boba's phone rang. It was Grand Admiral Joss Whedon. He wanted to know if he's interested in starring his own Disney movie. Well, I'm out of here, he said. Fucking seriously, Emma said. Yeah, have fun getting written out of the Days of Future Past movie. <laughs> Guys. Will Liam! Oh, that was fantastic. Your next contestant is a current uh, nominee for the Wit Out Award for Best Bit. 
Give it up for Nikki Black. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. "'Tis some visitor, I muttered, tapping at my chamber door, only this and nothing more. Ah, distinctly, I remember staring at my flaccid member... <laughs> And each separate soaking tissue wrought its ghost upon the floor. (laughs) Eagerly, I wished the morrow. Vainly, I had sought to borrow from red tube surcease of sorrow. Sorrow from that bitch, Lenore. (laughs) For the dumb and bitchy cunt face whom the angels named Lenore. (laughs) Ah, fuck her, man, forevermore. Before silken sad uncertain thrusting into my velvet curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic tremors never felt before, so that now I commenced the beating of my cock and stood repeating, Who the fuck is at my chamber door? <laughs> Seriously, that better not be Lenore. <laughs> she a hoe and nothing more. Presently, my grip grew stronger, hesitating then no longer. Sir, said I, or madam, truly your forgiveness I implore. But the fact is I was fapping, and so gently you came rapping. (laughs) And so faintly you came tapping. Oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, yes. (laughs) And here I came upon the floor. (laughs) Drip, 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 then nothing more. (laughs) Deep... Into my pants I shoved my cock So cold and so unloved Frowning I turned and went up I went to open up my chamber door And the silence wasn't broken And the darkness gave no token And the only word there spoken was by me Hey yo Lenore (laughs) This I shouted and an echo answered with Everyone knows that bitch a whore (laughs) Merely this and nothing more Back into my chamber turning, still my sexual frustration burning. Soon again I would be fapping somewhat harder than before. Surely, said I, there must be some manner of apparatus that I can use to help me ravish myself. There's so much of my body unexplored. Let my heart be still a moment and this mystery explore, for I am craving something more. To get some air, I I flung my shutter when, with many a flirt and flutter, in there stepped a raven hotter than any I'd seen before. Not the least objection made he, never did he stop or stay me, but with mien of a street lady perched upon my bedroom floor. Perched between my feet below my cock upon my bedroom floor, perched, I swear, and gave me this look just like a whore. <laughs> then, the eb- the, then this ebony bird beguiling my said fancy into smiling by, shiny, by lifting a shiny talon and tugging at the pants I wore. Quite the sexual maven, thou, I said, and wondered who trained him, unbuttoning my pants and leaving them upon the floor. My cock already starting to harden excited, I was about to score. Quote the raven, I'll be your whore. (laughs) Much I marveled this ungainly found to hear discourse so plainly and trembled as it scaled my legs, stopping with beak at my back door. In the mirror behind me, I was seeing Black Beak start to open up my being and taste my rectum with a tongue harder than any I'd felt before. He kept his stance even when my knees buckled to the floor, and panting, I said, only more, more. <laughs> but the raven sitting only, sitting lonely on my cheeks licked only, torturing me until I began to weep for more. Nothing further I had to utter, then I heard the softest flutter as he began to work his way further into my back door. His beak, his head, and some wing tunneling into my back door. Then the bird said, come some more. <laughs> 
Just then, the stillness was broken by another sexy token rapping at my window or my cellar door, and I thanked the happy master who had trained this asshole blaster. His, <laughs> his head thrusting fast and faster, faster till I stopped him for the door to see what other treasures might be waiting just outside my door, though I wanted the feeling to continue evermore. Hello, Mora, came a voice. A door swung open by its own choice. A boy and an owl were waiting just outside my chamber door. <laughs> Cantus Delitrius, he shouted. I couldn't stand that bloody rhyme scheme for another minute. <laughs> Before me stood a boy, nay, a young man, and well, well, this, this is very strange indeed. I have not been able to speak this freely for some time. Not since... <laughs> what witchery is this, I demanded, removing the bird fully from my rectum and gathering my pants from the floor. I managed to put them on and tuck my raging boner enough in to button them. I was flustered, but the combination of this newfound freedom of expression and intense handsome young man at my doorway were doing nothing to dispel me of my rock-hard cock. I felt inexplicably as if new worlds had been opened for me. I haven't been able to speak so freely since, I began out loud. Since Lenore, said the young man, he had jet black hair and brilliant green eyes housed behind circular glasses. His manner of dress was unusual, to say the least, but I must admit, his flowing black robe suited his figure. I took both his response and the vision of him in long, cool mental sips. Since Lenore, I said, how do you know about Lenore? The young man gave a long, exasperated sigh and shook his head slightly. His mop of hair swaying gently from side to side. Listen, he said, don't you think it's a bit odd that you've never seen a computer before in your life, but you're able to browse online porn every night? (laughs) A what? I said, turning to the picture box on my desk, which was getting hazier by the minute. No, I shouted, diving onto my desk, but it was too late. The magic box was gone. Oh, come now, said the young man. I'm merely breaking the illusion. Illusion? The young man sighed again. There's something you need to know, he began. Lenore was a witch. She trapped you in this night, made a tantalus of you by allowing you to watch all manner of beautiful women, but never again able to touch one. She's trapped you in this existence to be fucked every night by a manifestation of your own sorrow. (laughs) The raven gave me an awfully guilty look. (laughs) But I like the bit with the raven, I said. Is it wrong to like the feeling of your own sorrow fucking you? Ugh, said the young man. That is so like you. Uh, And just who are you, I implored. Why are you here? My name is Harry Potter, he said. And well, you see, Mr. Posa, the young man, Harry, trailed off and looked down. He blushed. I'm I'm a very big fan of your work. And when I learned what had become of you, I knew I had to find a way to save you. Well, I don't know that I'm the sort of man who can be saved, I said. I must admit Though it seemed as one night to me, I must have noticed the passage of time, the endless repetition, at least subconsciously. And I must say, my preferences have changed considerably. I don't even know that I would go for Lenore anymore. (laughs) I heard a considerable rustling behind me and turned to find the two birds furiously rubbing their cloaca together. I cleared my throat loudly, but they were not embarrassed by their blatant animal sexuality, and it did not seem likely to stop anytime soon. Now I was the one blushing. I turned back to Mr. Potter, but before I could, I felt a presence behind me and a voice in my ear saying, you know, some things are for much more than just the birds. 
His breath was hot on my ear and his hand snaked around my waist and down, fondling my still hard cock through my pants. I let out a small gasp and before I knew it, he was tapping me with his little wooden stick and murmuring more incantations. And suddenly we were naked and his big wooden stick was pressing against me. (laughs) If you'll excuse the poetic metaphor. I did not have time or desire really to question the logistics of what had just happened, and he was currently suckling the bottom of my ear and firmly grasping my penis, moving his hand quickly up and down the shaft. He ran his tongue along the length of my earlobe and thrusted it suddenly inside my ear. I nearly fainted from desire. Though his cock pressed ever more imploringly, he turned me to face him, and our lips crashed together, tasting the history of all the years tucked in between our two existences, lapping a longing that stretched the boundaries of time and space. Our desire, a black hole sucking us inward, much darker than my sorrow had ever been. Passion fell over me in waves, but I managed to break free for some air. You're a good kisser, Harry, I said. (laughs) My voice much gruffer and more British than usual. I turned and saw the raven had somehow managed to tie the barn owl to the bed and was deep beak deep in her cloaca. She let out whimpery hoots as he moved his head jerkily in and out. I could tell she liked it rough from the moment I saw her. My desire mounted ever more. And soon enough, it wouldn't be the only thing doing some mounting. Harry turned me around and slammed his cock into my ass. Where I expected pain, I felt only pleasure, and a warmness welled up inside me as if I had just drank a goblet of mead. Yes, smooth as honey wine, he moved in and out of me, thrusting harder and harder while jerking me off at the same time until my own cock exploded, coating the birds in a fine mist of cum. (laughs) Hedwig opened her mouth as the spray fell upon her, gratefully lapping up the excess. Oh my god, Harry said. You're also so warm and cozy. It's like it's like fucking the idea of Christmas. <laughs> or a deep fried Oreo. <laughs> oh god. On that last word, he thrusted hard inside of me, and I could feel the most intricate mechanics of his being as his dick went rigid as a gravestone and slowly began to pump, pump ribbons of golden warlock sperm liquid into my ass. I've never felt a greater pleasure or warmth in all my life. We fell upon my bed panting. The birds, it seemed, had worn themselves out as well and slept calmly at the foot of the bed. He laid his head on my chest and wrapped his arms around me. I'm very sorry, he said, but I have to go now. It was a pleasure meeting you, Mr. Poe more than I can ever express. He looked up into my eyes and I kissed the lightning-shaped scar on his forehead. He gathered his bird, his cloak, and his wand and walked out the door, shutting it gently behind him. I lay there, sated, and for the first time in centuries, the sun started to shine in gently through my window. I would remember this night forevermore. That was hurtful. Nikki Black, jeez. Wow. I've, I feel bad for whoever has to follow her. Your next contestant is a member of Plus Two Comedy. Give it up for Noah Houlihan. I'm, ju- I'm just going to start. I'm just going to start. All right, here we go. Can you shut up in the back? All right. <laughs> she awoke on the cold, hard floor, clutching her gun. 
She once again was dreaming that she was free of all this, but the cold floor reminded her of her harsh reality. She had hoped that if she just laid there with her eyes closed, no one would notice she was awake. Unfortunately, that was not the case. It never was the case. Soon, she heard that robot voice say, Wake up. It's time to test. She pulled her orange jumpsuit up over her supple breasts, hoisted up her gun, and attempted again to solve the chambers ahead of her. Her life had become so mundane. Blue portal, orange portal. Turret, light bridge. Completed chamber, sassy comment. (laughs) Boring. Each chamber started to look like the last. She was desperate for something new. Something different. Something sexual? (laughs) Maybe, but where? She rode the elevator to the next chamber. She sighed heavily as the robot voice taunted her. Don't worry. This is the last chamber. At least it likely is, because it will probably kill you. Yawn! (laughs) The robot voice had actually used that one before. She actually wished this new chamber had some sort of new killing device in it. Something new, something exciting. Something different. Little did she know, she was about to get more than she bargained for. (laughs) The chamber was typical. A companion cube to her right. Turrets behind bulletproof glass to her left. But in front of her, on the far wall, there was already a portal. Yet this portal was different. Like none she had ever shot out of her gun before. This one was white. And when she peered through it, she saw weird things. Things that she couldn't understand or explain. Also, it was constantly moving. and It was, it was too small for her to get through. It also wasn't round like a portal. It was less like a portal and more like a slit or a tear. She reached towards it with her hair, and at that moment it exploded with light. Then suddenly, silhouetted in the light, was the figure of a woman. As the light faded, she could make out this new woman's feature. She had short black hair and stunning blue eyes. She had blue velvet cloaked her arms and draped over her legs in a long dress and a white corsus perked her breasts up creating cleavage that you could get lost in (laughs) and around her neck she wore a choker that had the crest of a bird on it or maybe a cage it really depends (laughs) but it doesn't affect the story so don't dwell on it all right she stood there baffled at this new wom- as this new woman took in her surroundings. The woman in blue spoke. Hello. You must be confused about what's going on. Allow me to explain. You know what? It's actually far too ex- confusing to explain. Um, so let's just start with you. Can you tell me where I am? She was dumbfounded. It felt so good to hear a voice that was not that terrible robot voice. It was so soft and feminine. It was so sexy. (laughs) She felt chills run up her spine as she admired her beauty and was so spellbound that she was unable to find the words to express herself. (laughs) You don't talk much, do you? 
Let's start small then. What's your name? The woman in blue asked. She pointed at the name printed on her orange jumpsuit. Shell. What a lovely name. My name's Elizabeth, she said in a way that she obviously did not realize that the intelligent crowd at Jester's Playhouse had already put this together. <laughs> Let me ask you something, Shell. Do you have a lover? Shell's eyes darted to the companion cube to her right. She started that time where she tried to rub herself off against the edge of it. Things were never quite the same between them afterwards. Shell looked down at her feet and shook her head. Elizabeth lifted her head by her chin and whispered, Let me change that, before kissing her longingly. The kiss was so passionate that when Elizabeth pulled away, Shell nearly fell over onto her face and would have if she was not wearing the Aperture Science long fall boots <laughs> that prevented her from falling on her head. Elizabeth held up one finger and walked over to the tear. She reached inside and grabbed something. Shell, catch! She yelled <laughs> and threw it. Shell found herself catching a 12-inch black double-headed dildo. I call that my handyman. <laughs> Let me show you how it works. Then Elizabeth's lips found the crook of Shell's neck, and her hand found the zipper to Shell's jumpsuit. Shell was trembling as she was lowered to the ground. All these new sensations happening so quickly with a new beautiful woman. Shell laid on her back as Elizabeth stripped her naked. Shell reached around to undo the Elizabeth's uh, corset when Elizabeth pinched Shell's nipple between her thumb and thimble. <laughs> the pressure on her nipple caused Shell's legs to fly open as if a weighted cube had fallen on a big red button. <laughs> Soon they were both completely naked, except for Elizabeth's bird or cage choker thing. Elizabeth took one end of the handyman and slid it inside Shell. It slid in so easily it was like her pussy was coated in propulsion gel. She then inserted the other end into herself and they began to scissor. The pleasure was more intense than anything that Shell had felt before. They were soon completely overcome with pleasure that they were in rapture. So much so that not even the voyeuristic chants of the turrets behind the bulletproof class saying, I see you, could distract them. <laughs> Meanwhile, Gladys could not explain the new feelings developing inside her as she watched. She did not know she could have feelings of lust, but she was. <laughs> And even if she could have these feelings of lust, she did not think she could have them for some fatty, fatty no parents. <laughs> but she was. Gladys had to face the fact that she was a chubby chaser and she was not going to be left out for another moment. She may not have a vagina, but she had anal probes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she took her mechanical Johnson and drove it deep into Shell's cave. Shell's eyes rolled back in ecstasy. 
Not to leave anyone out. Shell prepared his second probe for the brown eye of the prophet. She drilled it into Elizabeth like a big daddy drilling through a splicer. Elizabeth was getting closer to finishing, so she jumped off the handyman and sat right on Shell's face. While the cake might be a lie, this cherry pie was real and delicious. <laughs> Shell licked away. Elizabeth could not hold it any longer and came with a moan. She squirted all over her face. Shell was so covered with Elizabeth's juices, it was like a baptism. Shell would surely be a different person after this experience. Covered in her companion's lube, Shell wanted her turn and grabbed Elizabeth by her black hair and forced her down on her snatch. Elizabeth made Shell come. Then Shell made Elizabeth come. Then they both made Gladys come. And then Gladys made them both come. Fucking continued for what seemed like nine, 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 nine hours. They were exhausted. They lied motionless in each other's arms. It was completely silent, except for the low hum of the lights, the mechanical grinding of the turrets, and the soft panting of Gus Ratman masturbating behind the wall. He finished on the new mural he had just painted of the love pretzel he had just witnessed. Elizabeth whispered, How do you feel? And for the first time, something stirred within Shell. For the first time that she could remember, Shell found the ability to speak. Shell took a deep breath, looked deep into her lover Elizabeth's blue eyes, opened her mouth and said, Apple. Thank you. <laughs> Neil Wood, Shannon Dapper, Will Liam, Nikki Black, me. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go through what everyone did really quick. Uh, we have Will with uh, Boba Fett and Emma Frost. Neil, don't clap yet. You'll throw stuff off. Listen. <laughs> Neil Wood uh, with uh, Ninja Turtles. Myself with uh, Portal and Bioshock. <laughs> I'm giggling about it. Uh, Shannon with H.P. Lovecraft. And Nikki Black with The Raven and Harry Potter. <laughs> you guys are going to vote by a round of applause. Let me hear for Will. <laughs> Neil Wood. <laughs> Myself. Shannon and Nikki Black. I think we have a clear decision. Nikki Black, the winner of the amateur round. Ah, and believe it or not, we still have more show. All right, you guys can take your seats. It's time for the professional round based off of suggestions. You got earlier. Who's ready? Who's ready? All right. Coming to the stage first, Shelly Snyder. Oh, I can do this standing. That's what she said. <laughs> this guy, 
got a like th- we didn't get to listen to a lot in the other room while we were all writing, but this got a lot dirtier than I had intended. <laughs> so I figured I would go first because mine is much more romantic. I mean, it's still dirty. Don't worry, <laughs> but, but it's not like I, I only heard a little bit, but something about like the portal coming all over Chell's face. I don't know. <laughs> If you guys remember, I had Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> this gonna be good. Ah. Malcolm Ian lay below the fallen ferns, his injured leg in fiery pain, the lawyer's bloodied leftover body parts lying nearby. <laughs> the sound of Dr. Grant shouting hazy in the distance as the rumble of the T-Rex's footsteps shook the ground beneath them. He could hear Grant's heady, masculine voice bellowing at the beast, and through a break in the ferns, he saw the doctor throw his lit flare off the edge of the paddock wall. The beast, attracted by the bright light and confused in the lightning and rain, followed it off the edge of the wall and with a mighty roar fell into the darkness. Momentarily, he felt someone pulling the ferns off of him and gazed up into the piercing blue eyes of Dr. Alan Grant. Grant frantically examined his injuries but was unable to do anything. Damn it, I'm not that kind of doctor, he protested. (laughs) (laughs) But you are, Malcolm breathed as he grasped his hand. You're my kind of doctor. (laughs) (laughs) The air shimmered between them. The moment was nigh after all the staring and bickering over Dr. Sattler, a meaningless dance around each other, trying to establish who was the dominant one, who was the man, who would take whom in the wild throes of whatever future moment may come to pass. They knew. For all the hours that Dr. Grant had spent with Sattler, thinking a woman would ever be enough for him, ever since since meeting the mathematician on the helicopter and feeling the bottom drop out of his stomach even before the shaky landing, he knew he needed to feel Malcolm's unforgiving cock thrust deep inside him. (laughs) But the T-Rex, Grant sighed as their mouth came close. It might not be dead. It could be anywhere. And the raptors, by now, they're out of their cages. It could be, Malcolm gasped, pulling Grant's shirt ever closer towards his own chest. Life finds a way, after all. (laughs) Their lips met, and days and days of longing were finally consummated. Their members throbbed behind the rain-soaked trousers as they lay in the mud and listened to the sound of inhumans screeching around the island. Finally, the suspense was unbearable, and Grant reached out and ripped Malcolm's black button down asunder, buttons flying, exposing his magnificent expanse of luscious Jewish chest hair. (laughs) My God, Grant gasped as he buried his face within. It's beautiful. (laughs) I know, he responded. I... I I oil it with hummus every night. (laughs) I ain't done. (laughs) They fell over each other, injuries forgotten, dozens of once extinct eyes watching them out in the darkness. Mud and blood and muscles and sweat and dicks flying and other things that women like about watching two men fucking. At one point, Grant was so incensed, so angry that he had been losing the battle over Ellie Sattler that he didn't realize he had been choking Malcolm, winning, dominating, until the man had already come in one's shuddering convulsion. This is insane, Grant gasped as Malcolm bent to take him in his mouth. I never thought... Malcolm grinned as he prepared to conduct his own archaeological dig for bones. (laughs) I know, he said. No one could have predicted it. 
chaos theory. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, Grant lost himself in Malcolm's rhythm in waves of pleasure and pain. Joyous pleasure, pain, pain, Jesus, fuck, more pain, because the the raptors had indeed escaped their paddock and and were eating them, because seriously, who stops to have sex while there's fucking dinosaurs? (laughs) Kelly Snyder! Oh, asking the questions that needed to be asked. <laughs> Give it up for your name. <laughs> Give it up for your next contestant, Drew Castellano! So I, uh, I had Dead Space 3. From what I understand, that's a video game. Okay, here we go. Dead Space 3. Video game. It was eerily quiet. Even for Tau Atlantis, it was quiet. Isaac took a long drag from his cigarette. He knew the silence was becoming stale. He knew the long period of silence... uh, I'm sorry. He knew that long period of quiet never quite lasted quite this long. But it was too routine for him to let fear and anxiety overcome him. Taking another long drag of his cigarette, his mind began to wander. He began to think of his life back home. His family his friends, small cherished moments he'd never, forgot, he'd never forgotten, like the time he and his friends threw rocks at the windows of the abandoned cabin and then ran off to go skinny dipping in the old abandoned quarry. He couldn't help but picture the young, firm, hairless bodies of him and his friends. <laughs> the rushing water felt amazing against all of his exposed body. He remembered how confusing that day was. Isaac felt shame about how frequently he pictured that day and those young, naked, firm, hairless, (laughs) naked boys. He took another long, cathartic drag of his cigarette. His heart was pounding as he pled for any break in the silence. It was cold, but a guy can get used to just about anything. His mind began to wander again. Knowing his life would most likely end was mo- would most likely end here, Isaac couldn't help but think about his regrets. He began to play the events in his head that he most regretted. I don't have time to edit this, so chill out. <laughs> I lost my spot. Uh, okay, uh, he began to play the play the events in his head that he most regretted. He thought about her, his one chance. He couldn't even say her name in his own mind. He knew what went wrong that final day, but he knew he had made the right choices based on his morals, his personal code of ethics. Isaac pictured her bedroom. They were both still children, but not in the eyes of the law. (laughs) The candlelight flickered perfectly across her gorgeous face. It danced over her eyes as as to never obscure them for too long. Their lips separated just long enough for her for her to slip out of her white lace nightgown. Her breasts were perfect and conjured images of a day Isaac spent in an abandoned quarry years before. (laughs) I want you, she whispered directly into his ear, pulling him down into the bed. Her hot breath made him quiver in ecstasy. Isaac was rock hard, 
and it was clear to him that she was whatever the female equivalent of that is. <laughs> I, I uh, stammered Isaac, just do it, she said. But Isaac was clearly nervous. She moaned and repeated that she wanted him, not sensing his apprehension at all. I, I, I'm saving myself for marriage, blurted out Isaac. <laughs> she laid there motionless and startled, covering her bare breast with the pillow. Get out, she whispered. Get out. Listen, pleaded Isaac. In the eyes of the Lord, get out, she screamed. Isaac's cigarette had burned down to the filter. Fuck, he thought. Why did Jesus put me here? Why does he make me feel these strange ways and make me picture the quarry and those young naked boys with their firm bodies? Those firm, wet, hairless bodies. He prayed for any answer as he lit up another cigarette. Thank you. <laughs> Drew Castellano pulling it out on a thing he knew nothing about. Awesome. Please give it up for your next contestant, Shortstack. Oh, man. Okay. I guess we're... There we go. All right. Uh, pack Porn by Shortstack. <laughs> Guest narrated by Frank Miller. <laughs> the night is hot as hell. The air smells like the breath of a ghost that swallowed one too many a sweaty yellow pixelated body. I'm staring at a goddess and she's telling me she wants me. <laughs> I don't waste one more second wondering how I've gotten so lucky. I slam the door behind me and ignore the sounds of ghosts rushing outside the door. This neighborhood's gone to shit. <laughs> But that's not what's on my mind right now. I feel a drop of sweat tick or trickle from the top of my head down to some other part of my head. <laughs> it's all head, baby. That's the cool thing about being a circle. The goddess is sitting before me, her face slightly open, like always. She purses her lips and says these magical words. Waka waka. God damn it, Ava, I thought I'd never let you say those words to me again. <laughs> it's Miss Pac-Man now, she says. You're a cruel bitch, Ava. You keep telling me to, you, to come out here saying your life is in danger, and then you throw your marriage in my face while you seduce me. You're a cruel, heartless bitch. And yet, you still came for me. However did you find me? It was easy, Ava. I just followed the dots. <laughs> I hate her. I hate that bitch, but God damn it, if she hadn't kept in shape... Circle. <laughs> Ava, how can I say no to you after all we've been through? I still haven't forgiven you for marrying that other man, though. He looked just like you, Pac-Man number 376, 2000, and I know what numbers are. Pac-Man number 3,756. I couldn't control myself. I thought you were dead. Dead! I rolled violently into a cabinet out of sheer anger. <laughs> Cherries tumbled out onto the floor along with the big white dot. Pa! 
back the cherries. Fuck the cherries, Ava. You know damn well we didn't die. We don't die. We regenerate in another round of gameplay. You know I could have waited for you. I would have seen you again. You should have waited. But Peck, after the way that ghost got to you, I thought he was blue, Ava. Blue and Periwinkle look the same to me now. <laughs> Well, maybe if you laid off the meth, you <laughs> you try running the dot circuit sober, Ava, or should I say vodka chugging, bow wearing slut, hussy dot? <laughs> God, I love it when you talk dirty. <laughs> I'm serious, Ava. Punish me, Pack. Violate my diameter. <laughs> You want me to punish you? Okay. I bumped her hard against the corner. She ricocheted across the walls like a sultry yellow pinball. I called her every foul name in the book. Slut dot. Whore pinpoint. Bow oval. <laughs> Ribbon McShit moon. Skank shape. Skank shape! I yelled... <laughs> Stopping her pinball ricochet in mid-stride and slamming her flat down in the bed. I looked her dead in her tiny pixelated eye and thought of all the times she betrayed me. I drew in a ragged breath. Tilt, bitch. (laughs) I yanked the bow off her head and ranked it around the post. You never said that you were kinky, Pack, she said to me. I don't trust you, Ava. Why do you think I've been fucking a bottle cap with a triangle cut in it? (laughs) I I gagged her with a part of the ribbon. Shut your slutty circle mouth, Ava. (laughs) I placed my mouth over hers and kissed her gently on the lips before I said my final words. Buckle down, Ava. I'm going to munch on the back of your circle thing. (laughs) Walk, 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 walk. I increased my speed as she struggled against her bonds. It's been so long, so long since I've had a woman. I've spent an eternity swallowing balls. (laughs) I made quick work of the back of her circle thing. She writhed against her bonds, the ribbon muffling her screams. Suddenly, the ribbon slipped out from her pretty yellow mouth. She took the opportunity to scream out, Pack! Oh, Pack! Use the big white dot! (laughs) I thought you never asked, my 360-degree bitch monster. (laughs) I I gobbled up the big white dot, and I felt the noise well within me. I gnawed in the back of her circle thing with toy the enthusiasm. I cried a name I thought I'd never say again. Ava! Ava! Climax. Short stack. Wow. All that for a quarter. Give it up for your next contestant, Ramon Bender! That's the first part of the story. My story is entitled Twilight Rectal Eclipse, Part 1. It was a dark night. The stars sparkled like a vampire in direct sunlight. Which makes no fucking sense. 
Bella and Edward stroll down some generic street in whatever generic town they live in because <laughs> Stephanie Meyer is a shitty writer. <laughs> they had left their daughter with the stupidest fucking name like Renesme or some shit <laughs> with Jacob because they needed some alone time. And what was the worst that could happen leaving your daughter, who was apparently named by George Lucas, <laughs> with a totally ripped lycanthrope with pedophilic tendencies? <laughs> Edward stared into Bella's dead fish eyes. <laughs> much as they had for nine fucking hours of movie. <laughs> and said, Now that you're like me... We don't have to hold back anymore. <laughs> it was then that Bella noticed Edward's massive bulge struggling against his tight hipster queer jeans. <laughs> the kind that all vampires inexplicably wear. <laughs> Edward pulled her into an alley with his vampiric speed and with more vampiric speed. <laughs> Both of their clothing was shredded off. I need you inside me. <sighs> Bella said with, with the whiny voice of someone who had taken two weeks of acting lessons at a community theater in New Orleans. <laughs> Moving like greased lightning, Edward forced his bulbous undead schlong against her soft lady bits. Their parts pulsed in unison for several heartbeats, which again doesn't make any sense because vampires' hearts don't beat... Then he penetrated. Bella gasped, showing more emotion than ever before. <laughs> As Edward pounded her with the speed and fury of a butcher trying to tenderize an old tough shank of beef. <laughs> Bella and Edward fucked and sucked and sucked and fucked and fucked and fucked and sucked and fucked for hours leaving puddles of cold, dead vampire jism splattered across the walls of the alley. Suddenly it was morning, just like that scene in the first movie that made no sense. <laughs> Edward removed his throbbing, tumescent member from Bella's anus, now battered and bruised like Kristen Stewart's future career. His enormous bank... <laughs> His enormous vamp dong sparkled like the cock of God himself. As, as Bella fell upon it, eager for a final dose of Edward's creepy pale wang milk. Bella stared up into, Ed, into Edward's eyes, looking every bit like a coma victim who happened to have a mouthful of Dracula cock. <laughs> Edward erupted with such force that his creamy white ghoul goo filled Bella's entire mouth and shot out of her nose. <laughs> Just like that time I drank milk and tried to watch Kristen Stewart act. I don't know how to end this story, so meanwhile, Bella's mustache dad and Jacob's wheelchair Indian dad collapsed in a pool of fluids. And for once, nobody cared that it didn't make any sense and that it shit all over the rich Eastern European folklore of the vampire. <laughs> the world was at peace.
Defender. We got one more. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he's a member of Plus Two Comedy. Please give it up for Vegas Lancaster. What's up, guys? I hope you like the 90s. <laughs> the back just heard that. Order in the court. I will have order. London's chief divorce justice called out, banging his gavel, his powdered wig flapping furiously. <laughs> In 30 years of divorce judging, he had never presided over such a public or perverse case. It was difficult to contain the bulging crowds, all hoping to hear the details in the divorce of David and Victoria Beckham. <laughs> or, as she now preferred to be called, Posh MX. <laughs> The former Spice Girl, now a full-fledged Spice Woman, <laughs> took, her, took the stand and began her account of the last six months. It was a hot day on the set of Spice World 2, Spice Universe. <laughs> so hot that the Spice Girls had stripped of most of their clothing, tired from a long day of washing cars and dripping sauces on themselves. <laughs> Across the street, the members of Rough Riders, who had been filming Cradle to the Grave 2, Cradle 3 the Grave, get, gathered and gawked at the girls, occasionally barking like dogs. As such, arf, arf. Yeah, yeah. Grr. A deep and masculine voice came from behind them. Ayo, where my dog's at? DMX stepped forward, and the genitals of the rest of the Rough Riders retreated into their abdominal cavities out of fear of DMX's much more impressive genitals. From then on... From then on, no one mentioned the rest of the Rough Riders crew. Hey, yo, who are these shorties? Queried DMX. Shorties? Baby Spice asked. Oh, you must mean Sporty Spice. Baby Spice was the dumbest of the girls. No, no, said Ginger Spice, the most intelligent spice. Shorty is a colloquialism for women, used only by the most confident of men. He's so confident, in fact, that I'm already brewing a ginger stew down there. <laughs> DMX looked over the Spice Girls and was pleased by the look of them. White blonde, white redhead, half black girl, white dark haired girl other white, dark-haired girl. They certainly covered all demographics. 
DMX's impressive genitals began to partially fill with blood, and the gravitational field of the earth bent slightly inward. Ayo, other white dark-haired girl, DMX said, lipping his lips slightly, causing orgasms to all the single-celled bacteria that lived on his lips. I choose you. <laughs> if it was anyone else, Posh Spice would have rolled her eyes. But something about DMX awoke something inside of her. Perhaps it was the bulge in his pants, about which an event horizon was forming. <laughs> she took a deep breath. It tasted of anticipation, which itself tasted of semen. <laughs> and spoke the words she said to David Beckham so many years ago. If you want to be my lover, you gotta get with my friends. <laughs> DMX nodded, his own mouth filling with the taste of anticipation, which tasted of female semen, and said, Aw, yeah. X gone, give it to ya. <laughs> First was Baby Spice, who giggled nervously at the sight of DMX's penis. It reminds me of the Eiffel Tower. DMX shook his head. I ain't no French pussy. Baby Spice, being a literal giant baby, was the least experienced at sex. But a few minutes on top of DMX was enough, and her mind and body quickly transformed through all stages of sexual experience. From literal giant baby, to horny teenager, to drunk college student, to experienced and casual late 20, early 30-something to bored married person, to frisky divorced person, to used up old whore. Ah, she said, you've rocked my world, my spice world. DMX smiled, feeling six pounds lighter having ejaculated. It was nothing, baby. She put her finger to his mouth. I'm a baby no more. Now I'm used up old whore spice. <laughs> then it was time for Sporty Spice. She would not be fucked so easy as Baby Spice. Sporty had to be fought. But DMX was ready. He had learned all he needed about martial arts from Jet Li in the feature film <laughs> Romeo Must Die. <laughs> Sporty Spice performed her trademark cartwheel. Then DMX performed his trademark, punching her in the back of the head and then fucking her in the ass. At this point, the London divorce court judge stopped the story. Isn't this all getting a bit misogynistic? It would be, said Posh MX, if it wasn't all true. Then it was time for Ginger Spice, who also found everything getting a bit misogynistic. 
I won't fuck anyone who's not a gentleman, she said, and for a moment she thought this would be the end of DMX's journey. He stared into her eyes with the fire of a thousand young youths who had fought their way up from the streets (laughs) with nothing but drive, talent, and brilliant rhymes such as these. A dog to bow, bow, hug it. Shout out to N-words who done it. (laughs) Momentarily distracted by his eyes, Ginger Spice felt a warm brush against her shoulder. What's that? She thought aloud. It's the most gentle, sensitive feeling I've ever felt. Like a puppy wearing a little t-shirt with a picture of a kitten on it. She looked down and realized it was DMX's penis on her shoulder. It had snuck out down his pant leg, went around the block, and snuck up behind her. So gentle. You must be a real gentle man. And indeed, when she looked up at DMX, he was dressed in the smartest tuxedo you'd ever seen, as if it was Def Jam Awards night itself. After a good fucking, Ginger Spice's body laid in pieces on the street. DMX shouted to the sky, Damn right, and I'll do it again, cause I'm right and I gots to win. (laughs) Then it was time for Scary Spice, who was called Scary Spice because she was a scary ghost. (laughs) I ain't never fucked a ghost before, said DMX. But there was a first time for everything. DMX fucked Scary Spice so hard that she turned real, and then she died again and went to heaven and told God about it, and he got so mad that DMX didn't fuck him that he cast Scary Spice into hell, and that's who the devil actually is. Well, it's time, said DMX to Posh Spice. I got with your friends. Now I gotta get with you. And so it began. She slammed it to the left because she was having a good time. She slammed it to the right because she knew that she felt fine. She put her chicas to the front. Uh, uh, and they went round. And then all four other Spice Girls showed up, and one by one they jumped into DMX's penis hole. Like at the end of Sailor Moon, when all the other Sailor Scouts jumped into that volcano thing. Then DMX fucked Posh Spice so hard that everyone in the world could feel it. Everyone! Yellow Man in Timbuktu, colored for both me and you, kung fu fighting, dancing queen, tribal spacemen, and all that's in between. DMX blew his load, and a spice rainbow blew across the world sky. Colors of the world, spicing up the life of every boy and every girl. That's it then, the divorce court judge said. It's clear to me that I must now annul the divorce of Victoria and David Beckham so as not to interfere with the pure love of DMX and Posh Spice. If anyone has any objections, 
Speak now or forever hold your peace. Ayo, I got something to say. DMX isn't going to break up this beautiful marriage. Because DMX is too much X for one woman. We did what we needed to do. X done give it to ya. He done give it to ya. X done give it to ya. He done give it to ya. Now it's time for me to go. I hear Destiny's Child is doing a reunion tour. Coming to Plus Two Comedy's last show because I think we peaked. <laughs> I'm going to give all the professional around comics to come back up here. Oh my god, that was spectacular! Uh, all right, let me quickly go over everything that just happened. We have Vegas with DMX and the Spice Girls. Shelly Snyder with Jurassic Park, Ramon Bender with Twilight, Short Stack with Pac-Man, and Drew Castellano with Dead Space 3. Your applause would be the decision. Vegas Lancaster. Shelly Snyder. Ramon Bender? Short Stack? And Drew? Guys, they can't all win. So, I, 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 we're going to clap again. Cla- only really clap for the one you want to win. All right. Drew's out. Why not? <laughs> Short stack? Ramon. Shelly Snyder. Vegas Lancaster. I gotta give it to Vegas, professional round champion. Guys, thank you so much for coming to Jester's Playhouse and supporting this show. Uh, if on your way out, if you forgot to pay. There's going to be this dirty green bowl on that table over there. And you can throw $2 in. Or if you just want to make a donation and keep this show going, that would be fantastic. We're going to be here next week at uh, 8.30 doing the podcast. Rudy Real is going to be our guest. And he said that it's going to be ten times better than this show. So you guys better come out. Guys, thank you so much for coming out. You can check this out on uh, plus2comedy.podbean.com. It'll be $2, so pay for this again. (laughs) And you can have it forever. Thank you to Jester's Playhouse for hosting us, and thank you to Ben Affleck for making this show possible and keeping the streets of Gotham City safe. This has been the Slash Fiction World Championships! (laughs) 